Welcome to Spirited Word. By God's Word proclaimed, the Holy Spirit works faith in God's grace in Jesus, when and where He pleases. Sermons by Pastor Adrian Kitson, Lutheran Church of Australia. We are beginning a little journey in a particular book of the Bible. We thought we'd do something a little bit different than we normally do, rather than the lectionary, and which is all good. We might uh, go off lectionary and we might just go through a whole book of the Bible over the next weeks. And you can follow along and you can uh, enjoy that and see what you see and hear what you hear. Um, I wonder whether you'd um, join the journey of First John, little tiny letter. It's only so small, uh, towards the, right at the back of the Bible. You know, there's 1 John, 2 John and 3 John, right at the back before Revelation, written by the Apostle John, obviously. The name says that. And the first letter is his largest one. It'll take you about 10 minutes. It's really little. So I'm going to challenge you. Would you read the letter of 1 John in its entirety uh, at some stage this week? It's really easy. It's not hard. Even if you're not a reader, you'll be fine. And the reason is that, well, our home text uh, has been drawn from that particular book of the Bible this year, 1 John 4, 7, love is from God, so let us love each other. Let love live. So for a change, why don't we delve into that and plumb the depths of this little letter and see what it might do for you and your relationships and how you are within yourself and what is love for you and who is love for you and hopefully be reassured, reconfirmed, uh, reaffirmed that you are indeed deeply loved by the God who put you here and he has called you to love those he's put around you and what would that be like if love was more? The first reading comes from the first chapter of 1 John, beginning at verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it, And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So friends, first John, um, how do you begin? I wonder, uh, like me, if you're like me, when you hear and see uh, all the rather interesting things that are going on in the world, whether um, you find yourself a little concerned <laughs> about the age that we live in. Uh, what age are we actually living in? I wonder what they'll call it 
if we last another hundred years? You know, what age would this age be? We hear about the age of reason. That was a fair while ago. Uh, what's this the age of? Uh, the AI age? I don't know, it might be. Or it might be the global boiling age, as the Secretary of the UN, yes, Mr Guterres, uh, declared this week. Uh, whatever age you call it, where is this age heading? Of course, we're not the first people in history to ask those kinds of questions. Every generation, well, hopefully, asks those kind of big questions. And then looking for solutions. How do we be better? How do we do better? How do we work better to avoid more of the same? Injustice, suffering, violence, discord, etc., etc. I read about a man named Lincoln Steffens. He was an American journalist in 1919. Just get your historical bearings there. 1919, end of the First World War. And he notoriously said, I have seen the future and it works. he just returned from visiting the recently established Soviet Union, formed on Marx's principles after the Russian Revolution, you remember, in 1917 that threw out the old Russian royals and replaced them with this grand experiment of human life on equal terms, the commune. This was all human, communism. Here it is, the beginning of it. Of course, communism was also an experiment to completely remove the reality and the truth of God as well. It didn't work. It was meant to be the answer to all forms of human tyranny and oppression in society. It was meant to deliver a promised new, more equal, flat society. That's what it was meant to deliver. It was meant to be a great sign of human progress that we could do it. We humans can do it. Of course, we now know it was none of those things, actually. This regime, just like all other totalitarian regimes, found it necessary to murder and imprison millions of its own citizens and enslave many others in countries in close proximity. Do you remember, in the 1980s, those of you who were around, perestroika, with glasnost, remember that, which just means transparency, under the General Secretary of the Communist Party, Mikhail Gorbachev. Remember him? It became apparent to everybody in the 80s that this new attempt to create human society with new life and fairness was actually rotten to the core from its very beginning. Friends, I think the Apostle John is doing what this journalist did in 1919. He's announcing to the world and to you and me this morning, he has seen our future and it works. Of course, John is daring to proclaim a much more grand future, surer future, life-giving and shaping future than any humanly constructed one. John has glimpsed God's future for the world and you in seeing, hearing and touching, repeated at least twice or three times in that first paragraph, seeing, hearing and touching Jesus of Nazareth. 
He's now writing this short, glowing letter of what God has done to create a new future in our present. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared and we have seen it and we now tell you about it. What do those words remind you of? Are you thinking? Are you with me? Where do you go in the scriptures? What do they sound like? Where do they get you to go? Well, I reckon that they take me immediately back to creation. Both of them. Both of them. Remember the beginning of John's gospel? We hear every advent. Remember it? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Through him all things were made. In him was life. Yes, and that life was the light of all humanity. And then further back, right to the very beginning, in the beginning God created the earth, the world. Let there be light. I think John is saying it's happened. There's a whole new start, a whole new beginning that's taken place. God has created a whole new future that is reaching into our present on a daily basis. God's eternal is now in our mortal. I think that's what he's saying. You ever read of it? But I guess the tricky word there is eternal. Now when I say that word, what do you think of? Eternal. Heaven and eternal. I've, let's do some background. For Jewish people, all history is divided into two periods, two eons, two eras, two ages. There's the present age, which is full of suffering and hard toil and injustice and oppression. And then there was the age to come, which was that time when God would sort it all out, which of course included rescuing his and restoring his own people. So when you read that word eternal, in this text or any other New Testament text, it's talking about the age to come. That's what it's talking about. But we often don't get what John's actually saying because we've translated the original word, which is aeonios in Greek, which you get eon or age, the English word eternal. And that's where the problem is. We have this idea that John and the other New Testament writers are proclaiming that our future is in some heavenly, only spiritual kind of space or place or reality that has nothing to do with here and this. It's not even earthly at all. It's some other space, some other place, not even human. Friends, that could not be further from the truth. John is saying the new age to come is eternal, yes, everlasting, but it's got everything to do with here and this. 
bodily resurrection, remember? So when we hear the word eternal from this apostle, John, in these weeks ahead, please don't think of clouds and floating spirits and little cherubs playing harps all day. Let's not do that like the magnificent frescoes on the St. Peter's Basilica from Michelangelo. Let's not think that. Let's think of a new city, a new garden, a new place, a new earth, a new ground, a new body, a new me, a new you, a renewed earth and sky, the heavenly Jerusalem. Let's think that because that would be more to the truth of what John is saying has already begun. The new age has already begun. So God has a future and it works. It's a new earth, a new creation, a new here in the here and now. It works because God worked it. He created it. The first time and the second time. The first time in six days, the second time in three, when he destroyed the power of death that hung over us like a funeral pall on a coffin by the rising of his son from the coffin. God's future works because God worked, not Karl Marx or Vladimir Lenin or Xi Jinping or Abraham Lincoln or Edmund Barton, who's he? Australia's first Prime Minister. Yes. And various kings and queens and their lofty schemes. So as we open up John's little letter, we hear him, I think he's like a person with a megaphone down at the co-op on Saturday morning when it's really busy and he's barking out a big announcement. He's saying the future has arrived and God has worked it. But how to describe this hope-filled age? What words would you use to describe this, this world-shifting new possibility? What, what, what words would you use? Well, he uses a little tiny word, and we use it all the time. If your name is Zoe, it's this. Zoair in Greek is life. That's the little word he uses to describe what's happened. Uh, the new age is Zoair. It's life. Life to the full, John 10.10. 10. I have come to give life to the full. Another extension. Life to the full. Life. This life has come to life in the living human being who came from God's future into our present to display our future for us ahead of time. Jesus is the life. Jesus the life. And he can do that because he killed death the day he rose from it, destroying the stranglehold on you, its power over you, on this world and its ugly past and its shameful behaviour. Sounds very lofty, doesn't it? Sounds a bit spacey. Sounds a bit Star Trek-y or Star Wars or something. Seems a bit hard to take in, I reckon. I've got work tomorrow. I've got travel plans. I've got health plans. I've got retirement plans. They're a long way off, but, you know, they're there. I've got study plans. I've got all kinds of things to do. I don't want to listen to this guy with a megaphone telling me all this stuff. I think I just want to get in there and get my shopping done and get out. You know, plug the ears and... We're practical people. I've got things to do and places to be. Well, 
the man goes on. Now he pulls out his trump card for you. You know, we heard this. We saw this and we touched him. We saw and we heard and we touched this life in this man, Jesus. We were his close friends. So this man is an eyewitness of what God has done and he's announcing it with the full force of an eyewitness. He really did see and he really did hear this new life up and close and personal. Do you remember? Do you remember John on the Transfiguration Mountain? On the stormy sea? In the, hung in the uh, hunger and the violence and the blood? He was one of the few left for a little bit longer than the others. On the beach? The morning after? Around the fire with a few fish? After those terrible events? After that special night, reclining at the table, leaning on Jesus' chest. Has anybody ever heard the heartbeat of God? Maybe John. Is that why he names himself the disciple whom Jesus loved? What a name. He saw and he heard it all and he's bellowing it out to you. He's pleading with you to stop and have a listen so you can go and grow in this life, in this love, in God's future that's already been achieved for you, a future that enables you to have real hope, whatever's happening, real hope, because God has created it and worked it and achieved it for you. And this is his purpose, as he says, that you, in the end, have fellowship with us. Who's us? Him as an apostle, him as one of the twelve, the closest, and even this, with the Father and his Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit. That love, self-giving. Now, friends, that's communism without being communism. That's equal, self-effacing, self-giving, patient, joyful, wonderful, peaceful love, the Holy Trinity. And he says the purpose of this letter is to help you know you have that every day of the week. You're in there. You're at the table. So, and apparently, this is for John, his great joy. We share this, he says, to make our joy complete. So I think he's inviting you into the impossible to even share the fellowship that the twelve had with Jesus, that he has with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. I don't know what darkness surrounds you at the moment and how disconnected you're feeling or what dis-ease is troubling you, what internal trouble is causing you pain, what hurt from external sources is wounding you, what you're worrying about, what you want to see happen and what you hope you'll never see happen in your lifetime. I don't know all of those things, but whatever age 
you want to call it, and whatever age you find yourself in this morning, wherever you're walking and whatever you're feeling and experiencing, life is here. And you're in it by virtue of your baptism. You were baptised into this life. So why don't you open up this little letter and with it your heart and see God declaring a new start for you again. Let's gather around John and let's just let him speak into our day. And let's let him do that for two months, nine weeks. Let's do a slow burn, a long game, a patient listening, hearing what we hear, seeing what we see, touching what we touch and sharing it and see where the Holy Spirit leads you and where he leads us. In the name of Christ, amen. And the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the life of the world, keep you in his life. Amen. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Heavenly Father, and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you as you let love live. Amen. Thanks for listening. Pastor Adrian serves at St. Petri Lutheran Church, New York, Barossa Valley, South Australia. St. Petri.org.au